Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. Wait the moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as always, by my friends and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan, and Brad Grew. And gentlemen, um, well, the season's over, and it probably couldn't have ended in a worse way. Uh, goose egg in the first half, nothing really in the second half, except for some good defense, finally, when it was too late. Um, Brad, let's, let's hear from you on... Uh, your experience at NRG and uh, how you enjoyed your time uh, watching the Ass Whooping Live. Dude, it was like deja vu train freaking wreck because I was at the Hoyer game too against the Chiefs. And, you know, you get NRG in there and it's the loudest I've ever heard it. Like whenever JJ tipped it and there was the, you know, the interception, that's the loudest I've ever heard NRG. And I've been there for every playoff game. And, and it's just and like every you know the games against the Dallas and everything and like you just you just like God we, this is our year this is our year we finally got our quarterback and we finally got our quarterback and then it's just three touchdowns in a row that Andrew freaking luck come down and just crushes our soul so I went with my 25 year old nephew and as he was walking out he's a little tipsy but he it's he wasn't drunk but he was a little tipsy and he's walking out and like he's just like the Colts have literally ruined my entire adult life and my entire teen life, you know, because, like, oh, it's just... Welcome to Houston fanhood. Yeah. It's, it's this close, right? This close again this year. Like, we thought we had the pieces, and it all fell apart in the last three weeks. Let me ask you this. Would you take Andrew Luck now? <laughs> After that game? <laughs> yeah. I still think Deshaun... I still have faith in Deshaun. I, I didn't... But that's the oh, – like, he picked a hell of a time to have his worst game since his, like, sophomore year of high school, didn't he? Yeah, that was Like, bad. wow. Then we were all pumping out that, you know, he hadn't lost a game but more than one score since high school and, like, all this other stuff. I'm like, man. And I, I – he looked like Brock Oswald out there. Oh. It literally – he – it looked – watch the game tape, compare it to Brock during the Patriots game. It's the same mistakes. Same mistakes. John, oh. how was uh, how was running from the NDSU game national championship game to a bar? Yeah, that didn't really happen. Oh <laughs> no, my my kiddo got a little bit he got a little bit cranky, um, so I ended up taking him back to the hotel room. Oh, okay, trying to get him to go down for a nap so I could watch the game at least in the hotel room. You know, yeah, being a father always comes first, and well. He really didn't want to take a nap. Poor kid was so off schedule. Um, all he wanted to do was watch Paw Patrol. So ended up watching Paw Patrol through at least the first half. Uh, I had, of course, I had the uh, the game on on the big TV in the background, but on the iPad, he's he's got his face glued to Paw Patrol. And I'm a pushover, and I let him watch it. And I'm kind of glad I did just by watching the game on mute. I was like, I don't, I don't want to hear the awful Monday night football crowd. Uh, their crew is the worst crew uh, broadcasting right now. And us not really looking too great was uh, didn't make it any better. Yeah. Well, it was awful. It was an awful in all 
phases of the game minus special teams just because that was like the only bright spot. But uh, with that being said, you know, I don't know how much of a breakdown we really need to do on this game. I'd rather talk about, I guess, Deshaun's performance is something we need to talk about because Deshaun definitely was not himself. There was a lot of issues, a ton of bad throws. We, we we could have been in the game in the fourth quarter had he thrown the ball properly and hit his wide receivers the way he normally does. Um, but, I mean, John, is it fair to say this is his worst game as, as a pro pro quarterback? It's definitely up there. It's up there with the, uh, the Patriots game from this year. This year. Um, he just... He was off. Like, part it's it's this isn't defending him, but there was no chemistry with the receivers. You've got Hop on one leg and one arm. Kiki looked amazing, like absolutely amazing. But him and Vincent Smith were not on the same page. I mean, we all know what Ryan Griffin is. And then he was just he. There was something off of his his mechanics. He was aiming for everybody's ankles. Didn't seem to matter what type of route was was ran. Didn't seem to matter where they were on the field. He was hitting people in the ankles, and that's a that's a good old Ryan Mallett special. And I don't I don't know where he came from. I mean, this isn't what we expected with uh with Deshaun. Deshaun is supposed to be known for not ever being phased. Every game, every play, he's supposed to, you know beyond and he just he didn't look right out there and I it probably just getting tired of getting hit by his offensive line not having any chemistry with his receivers the fact that we were leaving we were leaving pretty much eight men we were leaving eight men eight men back and running three men routes and they were dropping six into coverage and having five rushers and they were still able to get pressure more or less because part of it was coverage, part of it was just our offensive line didn't show up. So, yeah, Deshaun had a lot of reasons to have a horrible game. Brad, I can only imagine what it was like being there live um, and watching it and seeing the fans' reactions the way that I'm sure – was there a lot of booing? No, there wasn't, to be honest. Like, it was – People still thought, because we just all believed in Deshaun, right? So people still thought, you know, we were down 21 at halftime. Link got a couple of beers. And everybody was like, hey, man, we're just literally one turnover away, one touchdown away. We got this. And, you know, no, we all thought we were going to come down and score, you know, to start the second half. Um, I didn't truly, like, lose all hope until about two or three minutes left in the third because – the, the the defense did start tightening the nail. I mean, tighten the screws, and they weren't able to move the ball for whatever reason. Again, they weren't being overly aggressive at that point, but they were still able to run it pretty well. Um, and to me, that was the most surprising thing of the game. Even we all knew T.Y. Hilton was going to get his yards. We all knew Andrew Luck was going to be able to get out of the pocket and do some damage. Um, but I didn't think that uh, Mac would be like a Mac truck out there, just trucking over pretty much the entire defense. Um, you know, it was just. It was like it was that death by a thousand cuts, like we kind of talked about. You know, like the initial blows were pretty quick, but it, again, it was like it would have been. I would have liked it more if we were just blown out like fifty to nothing, because I would have known from the get go that it was going to be bad. 
And it was just like that little bit of hope, that little bit of hope, that little bit of hope. And then just seeing when Deshaun threw at Hopkins' feet and behind him, or I guess the front of him and, and his feet, on fourth down in the end zone, that, that was right in front of us. And it's just like, that was the worst pass I've ever seen him throw. And I know he kind of jumped and threw it at the same time, but literally all he had, I mean, it's 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 New Hopkins. You just throw it 10 yards in the freaking air and just let him go jump for it, you know, and like shoot a freaking three like Harden over here, you know. Um, it was just <laughs> – and then don't even start me on the corner blitzes. He just missed the corner blitz reads. The, 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 blitz, the corner was coming off his blitz or showing his blitz two or three seconds before snap, and DW4 wasn't picking it up. And I'm just, like, yelling at the top of my lungs, blitz, 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 and he just went for it. Like, and I'm a little, really loud guy. I have no doubt people in the field heard me, but uh, it's just, oh. Yeah, it was the fans good. were actually pretty good and pretty – I think everybody still just – we know we have the pieces. You know, people were saying, you know, fire Bob, it's all Bob, blah, blah, Bob, you know, what we can expect. But it was – it wasn't as bad as the – it wasn't as bad as the Chiefs game. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that. We'll this get, is just a piggyback on what Brad said, and granted, I have rewatched a little bit of it. We were closer than the score reflected. Believe it or not, it didn't really feel like it, especially watching it live. It felt like we were just kind of getting rolled. But like we said before, before, before the game started, if I had told you that the Colts were only going to score twenty-one points. All three of us have been like, we won the game. And then if you see the, the fourth fourth and goal, if we convert that, if Vincent Smith is able to properly run under the deep ball, then he has a, he has a walk-in touchdown. Um, if he hits Griffin on that corner fade, there's a lot of, there was a lot of those little plays that had half of them gone the way that our way at the uh, face mask when he should have been called for a face mask down at, at the goal line on Deshaun. If half of those gets called, the game is a lot closer and we're a lot more competitive. I mean, it's, it's just one the rest of, those of that the, first drive. Sorry to interrupt, but just the rest on that first drive alone was infuriating. Yeah. It was one of those where everything just kind of rolled against us and it made it seem like it was a lot worse, but Deshaun had his worst game. There's was definitely issues on the defense, and yet it was it could have very very within reason been a close game. I think um, I think you're right. I got to watch a lot of it uh, again today. It was really hard to bring myself to even want to watch it again because. Like, there's really – I didn't see anything crazy that stood out to me watching it a second time that I didn't notice the first time. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it, it's it's just like what Bill O'Brien typically says. Like, when we lose, it's like if you hit on these two or three plays, it's a completely different game. And, you know, there's two, three throws that I can think of off the top of my head that would have changed that dramatically. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is those – those throws didn't help, and the you know the wide receivers not catching it obviously didn't help either. But um, more of it was on Deshaun, and it's funny because you know I kind of wanted to get to this later, but I feel like maybe we should get to it now. Like, it, I didn't expect, 
and I, I guess I'm wrong for this, but I didn't expect the whole world to be coming after B.O.B. And I, I think that a lot, like, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, my only team in Houston is the Texans, right? So we've never really had a superstar quarterback, uh, and J.J. can't be criticized. So um, I, I, I expected there to be uh, open-minded fans that were willing to say that Deshaun Watson was the main reason why we didn't win this game. Rack was really probably the biggest part of the reason why we didn't win this game. But um, I was very surprised to see that Twitter, I listened to Sports Radio 610 today for like maybe an hour, and then I couldn't take anymore. And everything was Bob. Every, every single thing today and yesterday and Saturday night was all Bill O'Brien related, saying he'll never win us the big game. He's not a good coach. And the game plan is never like executed properly, and I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, like did we watch the same game? Because had Deshaun actually executed the plays and executed the offense the way that it was designed, this game would have been different. But yet here we are calling for Bill O'Brien's head, and like. I don't really know where it comes from, and now I'm starting to realize like what Pat goes through on a on a weekly basis in his mentions and and the some of the dumb things that people say to because they don't know any better, right? Like, you know, we, we've we've made comments before about we how we hate that Pat uh, sometimes will come off as you know somewhat of a pompous prick because, but now that when you think about it and you think about the game, like. When your timeline is, oh, why isn't Bill O'Brien this? What, what happened with Bill O'Brien? He needs an offensive coordinator, blah, blah. Like, it's like, okay, well, that's been happening all year. I can only imagine why Pat really honestly gets frustrated to the point that he just kind of uh, comes off as a, as a cock. And it's because it's like, are you guys watching or are you guys just waiting to react? And I've realized now that, that Houston fandom – likes to react. They don't like to criticize and actually see the truth in the game. And I tweeted out yesterday, like, I guess you cannot criticize your superstar players in Houston because if you do, you're basically considered as somebody that's not a true fan. Um, same with Harden, right? Harden's a great example. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Harden, uh, but I'm also not a Rockets fan. But I respect his game, and I understand why he is a top five player in this league. Uh, I, I criticize Harden a lot, but I also respect his game at the end of the day and know that he is how why the Rockets can be who they are, especially right now with what he's doing. It's phenomenal. But you can't criticize Deshaun. You criticize Deshaun, and all of a sudden you're getting killed, and uh, it's it's embarrassing. I, I think it's just Tex, Texans fans and just Houston, just Texas football fans in general, maybe even just football fans in general, you know, being born and raised in Texas and, you know, only really being around Texas football fans my entire life. I think everybody just thinks they know more about football than they do. And if you didn't, if you've never played football and or studied football, I'm not saying you have to play football to know the game really well. But you need to study it. You need to study the concepts. You need to study the coverages. You need to study the the, the game plans. There's just so many intricacies that the, the average fan, and I think that's why we have listeners to this podcast, right? They don't have time to study all of that stuff. We do it because we're crazy freaking people, and we spend every waking moment doing it. And so I understand that. Like, there, Bob definitely deserves criticism, right? He does. They've lost. 
Um, you know, Pat dropped the the hot stat, and this was in our questions, but you know they've been outscored. The Texans have been outscored eighty five to twenty three in their three losses in the playoffs under Bill O'Brien. But in those three losses, he's had terrible quarterback play in all three losses. But at some point, the buck does stop with him. And I'm okay with people thinking that Bill O'Brien is the issue. But what I don't understand is the people that don't look at what they were able to do with the gigantic pieces that they were missing with their line this year. And then the injuries in the running back and the injuries in the secondary. And they were still able to win the division for the third time in five years. And they're still able to make the playoffs. The NFL is just cold and ruthless. You get one and done in the playoffs. Just look at the Bengals. The Bengals have been a good team for a decade, but they don't have anything to show for it. Look at the Chargers. Like They have had one of the best quarterbacks for the last 15 years, and they don't have really anything to show for it. Look at the freaking Dan Marino Miami Dolphins. They had nothing to show for it. That's just the NFL. It's hard. All you can really hope for is you have a chance in the playoffs and then you show up. And it's just really frustrating for Texans fans because we've never really – we've gotten our wins here and there, but we've never really showed up for the entire – like if we would have lost like we lost the Eagles, I think we would have a different conversation than we had now. But we just – it was just like, oh, this is another Texans playoff loss again. And so I, that's the only thing I think is, is – like there's really no – people just don't know as much about football as they think they do. Well, it's also going for mediocre teams. I – had the joy of both being a Houston fan and a South Carolina fan. So I've kind of grown up with two fan bases that um, are very well tortured, um, and then on top of that are kind of in the shadow of a, of a successful program. As we're sitting here watching Clemson win probably another national championship, and of course, I mean, the Cowboys were like 20-something years ago, but still, they, they are the, the, big, the big program in the state. So what happens with us as Texans fans is we get very, very protective of our guys when they're obviously guys that could play on any team that's out there. And I think that's why it kind of translates. But we then look around and we see these other coaches like the Rams and Sean McVay, how he's able to come in and turn around real quick, and Frank Reich and the Colts, and how they turned around so quickly. And we're like, wait, we have more talent. Why can't our coach do it? And part of it, is catching lightning in a bottle. Sometimes you just get lucky. Um, I think that what the Texans are trying to do long-term is probably the best way to do it, but you're trying to build upon a foundation with other coaches in long-term, but we just haven't had that yet. We're still – I mean, people seem to forget because they kind of combined the Texans and the Oilers, but we're an expansion team. We've only been around since 2002. We've still got a lot of growth to do. And that's kind of why we're at where we're at. Just look at where we're compared to the Browns. We're way ahead of them. But, I mean, I get it because we want to be the Cowboys. We want to be better than the Cowboys. We want to have that history and all that, and we don't. And it's just part of, you know, being a Houston fan. Yeah, I think that it's 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 funny because, you know – I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, uh, um, one of our listeners, and he was telling me that um, we were talking about the national, or not the national media, but the local media, and I was saying to him that I I hate that those guys have the ears that they have because they push a narrative that shouldn't be pushed, and a lot of them don't know football the way they should 
given their position on the radio. And I was like, you know, but we're really not media. And it's sad that we can talk about the game and see it for what it really is and not go to journalism school and not do the things that they do and, and, and be able to give an honest take, uh, not an emotional rant, not uh, something to get clicks. And these guys just are all awful. I mean, there's some good ones. Sean Pendergrass is a good one. Um, you know, Mike Meltzer is a good one. Paul Galan at times is a good one. Um, but, like, other than that, there's really not a lot of them. Lance Zerline is a great one, obviously, Pat. But it, it's it's a shame that the narrative that gets pushed is that this is on Bill O'Brien when this game could have easily been won had it been executed the way it needed to be executed. And, yes, you, you as the head coach, are responsible for the players to execute the plays. But as Brad said, you know, that day that we had the crazy discord against the Eagles, Eagles game, like Bill O'Brien's not out there, you know, he's not out there when Deshaun's doing the good things, and he's also not out there when Deshaun's doing the bad things. And so it's like that has to go both ways. And you can't just give all the credit to Deshaun and none to B.O.B., and you can't put all the blame on Deshaun and none to B.O.B. I think B.O.B. definitely has some, some things to do, but – I truly believe that he can be the coach that we need, and I think that he could be the coach that leads us to the promised land. I really honestly believe that. I think we're seeing this piece work, or the pieces move, and the pieces are working. And we've had some bad luck with injuries, and every team's going to, and you have to you know, overcome those in a sense. But um, it's just funny how lazy of a take these, 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 these local media guys will push just to get listens up or to get clicks. And, um, you know, it, it's... It's it's crazy to me the way that this is being handled right now. It's honestly disrespectful, in my opinion, the way that people are approaching this entire thing. But it is what it is. L- let's get into this real quick, just because it is a rumor that is floating out there. Um, it's a clear. Let's be very clear. This is just a rumor. We we don't know um, if the source is actually a um, reliable source I honestly have no much don't know enough but I will say that there's a rumor out there that Cal McNair had a conversation with Bill O'Brien on Saturday or Sunday basically told him that he has next year to turn it around and if he doesn't he will be gone and Cal will be making a big push for Jim Harbaugh um before we I I get into this with you guys before you guys give me your input because I really want to hear what you guys thoughts are first if that's the right move, and secondly, if Jim Harbaugh is the right coach. But um, I think if you do that, you're going to hurt this team more than you're going to help this team. I think that there – is it easy to be, make the knee-jerk reaction and to uh, actually fire Bill O'Brien, who has a relationship with Deshaun at a very high level, and the quarterback itself, himself was out there trying to uh, make sure that Bill O'Brien came back this season – and you're gonna hurt. You're just gonna hurt the development of the team, right? None of this is good. When you look at uh, the young quarterbacks in the league, Marcus Mariota's on his third head coach, and his, he's about to be on his fifth offensive coordinator since being in the league. Cam Newton had the same exact same five years that Marcus Mariota, or six years that Marcus Mariota had. I think he had even more offensive coordinators until Riverboat uh, Ron came. Uh, this happens a lot with a lot of different teams, and you end up hurting your team a lot more than than you think initially. Um, now, do I think Jim Harbaugh is a hell of a coach? I do think he's a hell of a coach. Do I think that if any coach was to get the most out of Deshaun, would it be 
uh, Jim Harbaugh? Most likely, right? We saw what he did with Colin. We saw what he did with Alex Smith. But the problem with Harbaugh is he is not – it will resonate in the locker room for the first two or three years. And then the same thing that happened in San Francisco that's also happening right now in Michigan is these are grown men that don't want to be talked to like kids. These kids in Michigan are having a hard time with it, and he loses the locker room. And that would have ha- that will happen here as well. And so you're talking about a three- to four-year window with a head coach. Maybe you win a Super Bowl. Maybe you don't. But is it really worth the risk? I'd rather have Cal force Bill O'Brien to bring in an offensive coordinator or promote Sean Ryan and give him offensive coordinator responsibilities so Bill O'Brien can focus on the day and the game and the and everything else that a head coach actually manages uh, than for us to go through this entire process again. But, uh, John, what are your thoughts just on the rumor itself? Like I said, it's a rumor. There is no facts backing any of this. Um, for all we know, where it came from could have easily just been a way for something else. I don't believe that's the case because – the, the source or the people that, that reported it tend to not do this. Um, but, John, I mean, what are your thoughts on this situation itself and, and Bill O'Brien and kind of where he's at? Well, I can totally see the uh, this is the uh, make-or-break year. Um, if you look at the lineup of quarterbacks we have coming up next year and with him now having two years to kind of put together – an offense that he truly sees as um, his pieces that we should see a jump offensively next year. I mean, we were number 11 in DVOA, which is not horrible, but it's not as not really what we were expecting. Um, if we don't see an improvement on that, then I can completely see Bill O'Brien being on the hot seat next year. As for this year with Jim Harbaugh, I just I don't see it. I can see maybe – um, I can, <laughs> I can see maybe that we look at um, bringing another offensive mind into, you know, Brad, <laughs> you should have just said that out loud instead of typing it. Oh, I was. I'll, like, say pa- I'll say it to Patreon. Got him. <laughs> but my, my German Shepherd really did get me. Just so you guys know, I said – my German Shepherd, I have her locked in here so she doesn't bark, and just she just had the nastiest fart. Sorry, guys. I was, <laughs> I was cracking up for the – we're recording a video for the Patreon, guys. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. Let's mute that line again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the smell to be coming through here. Oh, man. So, yeah, go back to your no. thought. What were, you, what were you saying, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I just I – don't, I don't see Jim Harbaugh. I don't want Jim Harbaugh here. I don't want him near um, Deshaun Watson. Yes, he's shown that he can get success out of a quarterback, but he hasn't shown that he could get long-term success, and he also hasn't shown it without Greg Roman. He, what has he done in Michigan? Nothing. I mean, nothing to be impressed with. His success has been with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. That was with uh, Jim Roman, Greg Roman, Greg Roman, I'm sorry, the offense coordinator down in San Francisco. And, no, I just, yeah, no, I don't want it. Yeah, what's up, guys? I can't breathe over here, but um, yeah, I, you know, I've long been said that like, if Bill O'Brien was inept and in losing games, he definitely deserves criticism. I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve criticism at this point. Uh, the proof is in the pudding when it comes to the playoffs and like facing the Patriots and those sorts of things. Next year, our schedule is extremely tough. Let's be honest, especially our road, 
a road games. Um, but like, I just don't see how you can reset. You finally have your, you finally have your, your quarterback. He's got a quarterback coach who he has a really good rapport with for two years. Um, you've seen the progress from year one to year two, even know that he was injured in year one. You know, he didn't throw an interception for what was it, ten games? This was the first game in like ten games he had thrown an interception, which is just phenomenal uh, for a, a guy who's threw for over four thousand yards. And I just don't know how you can say that. Let's reset. He's clearly loved by the players and clearly respected by the players. Um, and we have a very limited window with the people that the with the personnel we have. Watt is maybe hope hopefully he's got two or three years of of you know MVP you know pro, pro Bowl all pro type numbers left in him Clowney hopefully we resign him long term but I mean other than that you know we're probably gonna lose Merciless we're probably gonna you know we really don't have a secondary our secondary I think is gonna be all new with over the next two or three years except for maybe Reed um, you know I just don't we just don't have, we're a very limited window and I just don't see how resetting and I think I looked at the numbers in the past but it's like less than twenty percent first. Year, First-year coaches, even if they had been a previous coach, make it to the playoffs their first year with a new team. It's like less than 20%, I think, is what the number is. Uh, could be off by 5 or 10%, but it's it's very it's well below 50% make, of new coaches make the playoffs their first year with the new team. And it's just, why would you want to reset? We were so close. Like, we were – we had an offensive line this year, and we had one less injury maybe at wide receiver, and we had a decent speed cornerback – could, I mean, I think, like you said, we barely lost to the Colts. It was a 21 to nothing, and it looked terrible. But if Vincent Smith, you know, cuts in instead of out, and if, you know, Griffin isn't overthrown, and if Hop, you know, if DW4 can get that ball to Hop, it's a completely different ball game. And I just I just don't see the, it, where to tear it down moment. And I think you bring well, in another coach to tear that moment. I'm just going to throw this out here because I, it's kind of in the uh, this week's article. But you know how close we are? I'm going to name five players. If we took two of them and put them on this year's team, we probably would have been a Super Bowl um, contender. And these all were former Texans. You take Boye, Dwayne Brown, Will Fuller, CJ Fedorowicz. If you take any mixture of those, of those, any any two of them, all of a sudden our team is the Texans are right where they need to be. I mean, that's how close we were. And these were all former Texans or still Texans that were just hurt. Yeah, um, well, to be clear, C.J. Fedorowicz would have been the blocking tight end that we need. Dwayne Brown would have been the left tackle that we needed. And Will Fuller would have been the speed guy. And A.J. Bouye would have been able to play man. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, those players would have made a difference. Um, just any two of them. You put Fedorowicz or if you put – Brown on the offensive line, they help um, they help stabilize it. Uh, Boye would be the the corner that could actually play man, and Fuller would just be the second receiving option when we desperately needed a second receiving option to beat to beat the Colts. I mean, yeah, any two of them, you put them on this team, and they've all been with the team in the next last couple of years. That's how close we are. Yeah. No, I just got to replace them, unfortunately, but that's how close we are. I agree. And, Brad, to kind of touch on your point around the rookie coaches, you know, going to the playoffs, that's an accurate stat, and you can't really argue with it. There's also another stat out there. I forgot what it was completely, but basically says that if a head coach doesn't win a Super Bowl in its first six years, 
I think there's only six coaches that have won a Super Bowl after that. So the, the basically saying that head coaches that tend to win in their first six years tend to win another one or, or be competitive. Uh, but if they don't win in their first six, six years, they don't tend to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, at all. there's no coach that has ever won a Super Bowl after being with this team for over six years. However, the problem with that is how many Super Bowls have there been? Right. No. Agreed. Okay, yeah, I agree. Limit, I, I agree with you. Li- I'm just saying I that I, I, there, there's a stat out there that that basically depicts that saying that when you have the same coach, you have the same voice, you have the same offensive scheme and defensive scheme that it, it tends to be just repetitive. You, you tend to be the almost team. And um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, when there's only what 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 is this like Super Bowl fifty four or fifty I don't know fifty something right so and I mean it's not gonna it's not a perfect stat but and then we also just saw Frank Reich in his rookie year now he's in the divisional round so I mean it, it's a it's a year to year league things can change very quickly when you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck though that kind of changes uh, that entire stat because he's just incredible <laughs> but um. Let's get to the defense yeah, side of the ball. Uh, just, yeah, just another comment on the coaches thing. There, you also have to look at the fact that, like, coaches who have run, won multiple, I think three coaches have more than 25% of right. the entire Super Bowls or right at 25%. Like, I mean, that just kind of skews that number a little bit. I agree that you, it does get stale and you're the almost team. You know, the the Marvin Lewis, right? I mean, you know, we're we're not that far from that, I think, at this point. I think another year or two, like, Bob deserves to get fired if we don't get any better. I mean, Bad team you know, or not. remember something with, with the almost teams. The reason a team is almost always an almost team is because they have an almost quarterback. That's true. Yep. That's, that's true. true. That's true. That's yeah. literally yeah. – that's nearly that's, always the reason, right? Like, I think I think Rivers coaches, is the only one. That, and those coaches that are dropped in and have success, they always get dropped into a situation where they have a quarterback. Perfect situation. So if you have a quarterback and you cannot win, then, yeah, then you're a bad coach. At this point – where Deshaun Watson is, we honestly don't know if we have a coach yet with Bill O'Brien because it's only been it's only been a, a year and a half of Deshaun. Right. Like we saw what he was able to get out of Deshaun his first year. This year, dude was even Deshaun was even better, even though we ran out. We literally got unhealthy at the worst possible time. If injury bugs don't bite, we still beat. This Colts team that's supposedly now that's now a monster. So, Bill O'Brien, he's not really in year six because he had what year three years of just absolute dog shit at quarterback. Yeah, and well, then, and and we're heading into year six, right? So, it's I think that um, did you, if I had to uh, if I asked you guys who where would Bill O'Brien be on the most tenured coaches in the NFL right now? What rank would he be at? Brad, if you had to guess. Uh, I'll say six. Six? Six. John? Yeah, I think six. I think he's eighth. He's eighth. That's correct. Yeah, he's the eighth most tenured coach in the league right now. That just shows you there's a lot of problems with the NFL when it comes to coaching and hiring the right coaches because – Well, yeah, everybody burns through them. They never give anybody a chance to develop. Right. Essentially, to be a successful coach, you have to hope you walk into a situation where you have a quarterback that is above average – that fits the system you want to play. Yep. Because they're not going to, most teams are not going to give you the opportunity to build a system around them. Now, you got to remember the the Steelers, the part of the reason they were able to create their 
their freaking dynasty, what, I don't know, it was like 40 years ago now, is before the merger, they actually had a coach that would have broken that little stat, and they put the systems in place, and they were able to ride those out. The problem, it, if, I'm again, I'm, we're going to have probably a whole podcast on why, where we completely criticize Bill O'Brien, but... This isn't it. Right. This isn't it, and we'll do like a year in review or a year, like give him a grade or whatnot. But part of the reason that I do have sympathy for him is you just look at the positions of need we have on the offense, what we have done with it, and then how they have decided to go from having a huge man-blocking offensive line. It looked like we were going to try and play big zone or or we're going to try and do a primarily angle-blocking offensive line with uh, Suofelo and Allen because they are big, big guys, to the guards that we now currently have who are more of a zone-blocking team. And we complained and complained about how we used Lamar Miller, but the the guards that we had couldn't zone-block before. Now we get a team that can zone-block, and all of a sudden Miller looks better. And Bill O'Brien didn't have control of that personnel that's where the disconnect was. It's like, were they trying to find players to match the scheme, or were they trying to just say, hey, these are good players, Bill O'Brien, go make them work? And that's kind of the argument that that needs to be had or whether or not it was being had and part of what we'll get to see with Brian Gain coming up. Yeah, I think I, – I, I, we'll get into the B.O.B. stuff. I think we've already spent enough time on it. Um, I think everybody knows where we stand. Um, I – I will say this, that next year is definitely the make-or-break year for Bill O'Brien because we can't give him more time at this point. Um, Deshaun so do you think ASC championship game or or is would save his job then? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would hate to like get down that road. But, yeah, I mean, AFC championship, Super Bowl is really the only two. But at the end of the day, like typically when you make the divisional round, it's very rare that you see a head coach get fired. Uh, I can only think of two. Um, the who was it in uh, San Diego, uh, John? That um, they they finished thirteen and three. Was it North Turner, right? Yeah, North Turner. And then last year, Mike Malarkey with the Tennessee Titans after they beat uh, yeah, we, Kansas City. If we if we make it to the divisional round next year, Bill O'Brien, he's going to stay. I won't. He's going to stay. Yeah. I can even argue that if we have the exact same record next year that we have this year, he's going to stay. Right. But next year we'll – I mean, it'll, you'll, you'll be able to tell coming out of the season. If we barely get into the playoffs or we miss the playoffs, if it looks like the team regressed, or if he loses the locker room, he won't be around. But yeah. that's – next year is kind of the make-or-break year, I think, for him. Yep. All right. So let's get into the really the bigger the bigger issue, in my opinion, right now, and that is – it's funny that you posted that article I wrote about Rack in, um, in the Discord because four weeks ago, that was the thought, was that given the injuries that this team has on offense, the person that I expected to lead us and take us a little bit further would have been Romeo Cornell, based on previous history, right, which is something you typically don't argue with. Right now, though, I think we need to have an honest conversation about, you know, is Rack the best defensive coordinator for us right now? Because I think we're we're running into the issue. I, I honestly, if I had to point my finger at one thing, it would be 
that Rack is trying to find a way to involve Whitney, JD, and Watt and doesn't know how to do it. And because of that, we're struggling to generate a pass rush. Not much you can do on, at the corner standpoint if you don't have corners, right? Only thing you could really do to offset that is generate a consistent pass rush. If you can't do that, then those corners are going to get burned, and it is what it is. Um, but Romeo, Cornell, we need to either reevaluate or we need to adjust the personnel to fit what Rack wants to do because it doesn't look like Rack has the tools that he wants or needs to be able to execute this defense at a high level. And I brought it up, I think, like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, you know, is the time to consider moving on from Rack. I mean, he is 75. He had, It's a little too late to be Jigga Monsters, Brad. Oh, you don't know me, bro. I'll I mean, up to like three. That's all I drink. <laughs> this, I mean, I buy this by the case. The white ones are the best monsters in the entire world. Um, if you got that video for Patreon, you'd see this, what we're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Very true. Um Anyways, Racky is 75. This is he'll be entering his 36th season as a coach in the NFL. He has seen things that most people wouldn't believe in the sense of as a man and a head coach with the gentleman that killed himself in Kansas City right in front of him when he was the head coach. Um, he's seen offenses that you don't see nowadays. I mean, he's just seen it all. Um, so, John, let me ask you this: Has the new NFL offense. Uh, let me rephrase that. Is Rack's has the game passed Rack? No, I don't think so. I think it's the same reason we were just defending uh, Bill O'Brien. You don't. We can't crucify the man for the the personnel that he currently has. I think that he actually got the most of it. I do think that that even kind of goes back to when we were drafting our defensive players, were we drafting with a plan or we just kind of throwing a match together and seeing what happens? One of the things that we really were missing with Rack is if you notice something with the Patriots, they always overpay on a corner that can cover man. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, Darrell Rivas, um, there's more, but right now it's it's late and I just had to watch Clemson score a touchdown. So those are the two names that you're going to get out of me. Let me ask you this. Is Trevor Lawrence – Making Clemson alum right now say Deshaun who? I think he is. I think he is too. <laughs> Which is crazy, but I mean that's the one we don't have a that corner that can that can play man at all, and that's kind of the Achilles' heel in Rack's system right now, and it causes him to do more scheme adjustments than I think he would otherwise. Yes, he plays a little bit conservatively. Yes, he relies too much on zone blitzing because it's a conservative way to blitz. But he needs a corner. He needs a corner that can play man. And, again, our defense was number three this year. Again, we are pissed off at our defense right now, but we only gave up 21 points to the Colts. They're probably about to drop 35, 40 points on whoever they play next. So, I mean, shit. What, what do we want from the man? Yeah, I agree. Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll be the first to admit that the defense, what what they stopped them, like nine um, trips in a row to, to end the game, like that's this, in the playoffs, that's all you can really ask for. Giving up, spotting them 21 sucks. But they only spotted them 21 because the offense was so terrible. Um, you know, the offense had pretty decent chances to, you know, I don't want to blame the defense for this because I just don't. They got a turnover. They got a crucial turnover. They got some good stops. 
Um, the rest screwed them when that thir- third down on the first drive of the game. Uh, you know, it's like, but I do want to, I do think there's the conversation there because I was right there with you. I was in Rack We Trust, you know, and, and Romeo We Trust. You know, I've used that hashtag all season long. I said, I think three or four podcasts ago, that I would put this defense up against any team. And I don't really change that outlook after this past game. But I do agree that we are misusing some really talented players, and Whitney Merciless being the biggest one. To me, dropping Whitney into coverage is – so you're taking a player that's probably an 8.5, maybe an 8.2 to 8.5 on the, on the pass rush scale, and you are dropping him into coverage to the, where he's like a 2.8 or a 3.0, and it just doesn't make sense to me. It just really doesn't. Um, and especially whenever you're getting beat, you know you can't cover them deep. You know you can't cover them speed routes. So just do the Wade Phillips, like we said like we said uh, last week. Like I just hope he just goes Wade Phillips route, just sends the whole freaking house and just says, all right, they beat us deep. They, they beat us one-on-one deep. They beat us one-on-one deep. But we're going to try to go after Andrew Luck and keep him rattled. And I think that's what he should have done, and that's the only real complaint with them. Um, down the stretch, he didn't even really do it. They just The defense just got really pumped up. Um, and made some huge plays, but you know, I, I would think that I, I think him in an advisory role would be great. Um, you know, kind we of tried like that last year. year. Well, I mean, I don't think Brable's as good as a coach as we all thought he was, right? That's I think that's I think you bring a really good defensive minds, um, or defensive mentor, or just bring in someone to mentor him and be kind of like an assistant coach to give him, you know, the the you know shout, shout things in his ear. But I think we, I mean, at this point, I think we just got to dish merciless. I mean, he's our wealth paint man of the year, but if we're not going to use him right, let's get some value for him. That's really my only – to me, like, if you're not going to use him right, get some value for him. What's the point of keeping him around if we're going to get a decent player out of him instead of the great player he truly is? I should have uh, – I should have – I wish I would have, like, screenshotted this tweet, but uh, Merciless has been in coverage 54% of his snaps this season. That's just unreal. That's just too much. Like we, Whitney has always dropped into coverage occasionally. Occasionally, every year he has dropped into coverage occasionally when Rack's been here. But we're talking about like once a game. Now it's turning into a thing, and, and I do think that a lot of it has to do with trying to figure out how to get all three on the field and get them to um, be productive at the same time. But at the end of the day, like. With Merciless, like, where else – I just don't – he's on a cheap contract. I would love to keep him and find a way for it to work. I think that's more getting our other linebackers healthy. Because um, how they used him last year prior to him getting hurt and J.J. getting hurt when both Dylan Cole and Cunningham were healthy, I think part of the reason that he's been dropped into coverage more – is our linebackers – I mean, we we haven't been able to go into those sets where we had both Cunningham and Cole on the field, and they were able to cover. Essentially, you're dropping both Merciless and um, and BMAC into coverage, and you need both of them when that happens. One of them, You just can't rely on one of them to cover. Whereas I well, think I've, if we had a healthy Cole the whole year, that would have that would evened it out. Yeah, but my, my real thing is if he – it was if, – I'm looking at his stats right now. If he dropped into coverage 54% of the time, he only had 39 tackles on the entire season. Like, how effective was he dropping back? I, I mean, I just don't see – he had four sacks, but I don't still – you know, 
I don't see how he could be effective with less than 40. You know, Cunningham had 40 tackles in three games, you know. Like, I just, of course, Cunningham's always back, but, like, I, I don't – I just think if you're going to misuse them, just deal them. Like, I, we have a wealth of riches, right? You can't get everybody on the field. It's kind of like we have to make that decision at, at safety, I, right? I hate like, – I just hate the idea of trading a pass rusher. Yeah. I think that we go we go get another inside linebacker and then move Merciless around, maybe not give him as many snaps, but we need the we need the extra pass rusher. Unless he's a part of a package for Pat Pete. <laughs> so, well, I'm saying, I mean, is that wrong? I mean, is that wrong? I mean, seriously, you think just, about that though. Is that is that wrong? Yeah. I mean, if you were no. to add him in a second, especially given his contract, I mean. That's a pretty good – I don't know what other package you're going to get for for Pat Pete that's going to give you the production right away. And we have two seconds, right? So, yeah, we have two seconds. Like, I think that would be a fantastic swap for both teams. Like, I really do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really hope that this defense can turn it around and find a way to, to make this work. You know, obviously, given Rack's history, this, this let's hope this is an outlier, right? Because based on facts, it, it would be. But um, not a lot you can do when you don't have covers that can corner. So maybe he was trying to – maybe he was overcomplicating it himself and saying, okay, i got to find a way to um, alleviate some of the pressure off the corners because they're just not that good. I, I don't know. But hopefully there's some sort of change that can help um, rectify this well, issue. Let's be, well, let's be honest, too. Like, he was playing a generational quarterback who's also extremely mobile – who outran Jadavian Clowney on the outside two or three times for a first down. I mean, I don't think people realize, like, how big a rushing game that Luck had and how that changed that game. What was it, two or three plays where it was third down along, and he ran for that third down, and he outran our best defensive lineman, who was supposed to be able to flash linebacker, supposed to be able to catch him, and they just couldn't. Um, to, hold, to hold Luck to 21 points in the playoffs to me is not as big a deal. Like, I mean, that's a great, it's a great job. Like, we should have won that game. I think we we all agree we should have won that game. But we also saw that he didn't adjust down the stretch how we all wanted him to and while we all thought it to. So I think there is some criticism there. Yeah, I think – I mean, look, Rex not going anywhere. But let's just be clear. Like, Bill O'Brien yeah. loves him some Romeo Cornell. And, and typically up until this game and a couple games this year, we've loved Rack as well. So yep. he's definitely going to have another year. Um Really, the biggest thing that we can do to help is hire more coaches. To well, this loss, this loss was on the players, right? Let's, let's yeah, this loss was on the players, completely on the players. They gave the defense, the defense scheme kept a powerful offense at twenty-one points, and the offense had eight or nine really good chances to score points, and they just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Yeah, like that's on the players. It's on the players. The game plan was there. They just didn't execute. Well, we have a long six months to go to be able to fully take a, di- a deep dive into what this Texans team is going to look like. Um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to get into regarding the game itself or the end of the season? Is there any other profound statements, any Stephen A. Skip Bayless takes you guys want to give? I know that's what we're known for is Skip Bayless takes. So, um do you guys have any of those? John, it looks like you you have a ton. You're, you're shaking your head yes. <laughs> no. Okay. Brad? Uh, I just want I just do want to say one thing. Like, 
the NFL is a tough league. We are lucky that they were even made the playoffs. We're lucky that from 0-3 they came back to finish 11-0. It sucks to lose, but I'm never going to uh, – I'm a Texans fan for life, you know. Uh, once it's once the game's over, I'm looking forward to next season. Um, you know, I think J.J. Watt said it best whenever, you know, his tweets at the games, like the, the work starts today. Um, and all you can really do is hope to improve. And I, I just want to pr- – like just knowing – having the payoff as an Astros fan for, you know – and seeing what can happen after you have that buildup. And as long as you have continuous buildup, which I think with Deshaun Watson and, and Bill O'Brien are going to do, I just I – have, I have – even though it sucks so bad right now, I still have nothing but uh, high hopes for our next season. Yeah. No, I would agree. The, uh, you know, John has said multiple times on this podcast, and I don't want to steal his thunder because I'm sure this is where he was going to go, and so he's probably going to uh, make sure that he pulls an extra tooth out of me on, on accident when I'm at the dentist next. But um, – this was a fun team to watch all year, uh, even given the way that the team started. Uh, they were extremely fun to watch. Deshaun was fun to watch. Bill O'Brien was did, I think, a, a pretty good job. There were moments where I wanted to destroy him, and there were moments where, obviously, even you know the, the West Texas guy wanted to destroy Bill O'Brien after the Philadelphia game. You know, I know the emotions have been up and down this season, but it has been a fun season, and at the end of the day, that's why we watch this game. Were the results what we wanted? No. But we never expected them to win a Super Bowl this year anyways. So it's really not a disappointment. And if you would have told me after week three that we were going to make the playoffs, I would have told you you were an absolute idiot. And so would John and so would Brad because that's just not how it happens. But it is how it happened this year, and that was extremely fun. A nine-game win streak, good luck seeing that again in your lifetime. It's probably not going to happen, at least on a team that you root for in the NFL. So, uh, you know, my hat's off to the team. You know, obviously there's a ton of love here for, for, for them and what they do. And, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, we, we can't wait to have him on again in the off season, and we will. And um, I think that it is what it is the way it ended. Wouldn't have mattered how it ended. It still would have hurt. So let's just take it and move on. So, uh, John, do you have anything else you, you want to add? I guess the time I've been on it is, yeah, we're going to probably get hit up as being homers because guess what? We are. Uh, this is a fan cast at its, at its heart. Um, and it's just also kind of a reminder we watch football for fun. I mean, when they're sitting there and last year I think we were a lot more critical of a lot a lot of things, a lot of personnel decisions because – Last year it looked pretty bad, and then to have a new GM come in and our rookie ca- and our rookie class perform the way that they did, and to see the growth that we that we had, and to know that we were literally just a couple of players away from really truly having a special season, and that's not even taking anything away from the nine wins. Nine wins is special. We're never seeing that again, and we got to see Deshaun grow a little bit more. And usually it's year three. Uh, year three is when NFL players take their biggest grip biggest leap. That's when you know if an offensive lineman is going to be worth anything. That's when you know if a receiver is going to be worth anything. And that's when you know if you have a truly elite quarterback because that's year three is when their stats explode. So, I mean, we've got a lot to look forward to. And if those things don't happen, then you're, you're, you'll see us be a lot more critical. But right now, it's like, hey, I'm going to try and take the positives from this. Again, we have Hours upon hours of us saying this year that we are not a Super Bowl team, so it's going to be a little, it'd be a little bit disingenuous to, 
to come in here and just rip everybody a new one. So yeah, I'm gonna enjoy the pot, the postseason. We're gonna we have a lot of things coming up. We'll have a lot of new content for y'all. We're as a podcast, we're gonna take uh, that extra step, and hopefully the team will match. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the perfect way to end it. Um, real quick though, I do want to get to this. Um. Because it kind of brought up when you said that we're, you know, we're homers. I, I think that we do a pretty good job of also being uh, somewhat critical at times when we need to be. But do you guys uh, take an issue with Deshaun's press game or post game press conference um, with the O line and also his? I forgot what the other. There was another question. I forgot what it was. Oh, about um, where he basically says like you know, there's other. There's plenty of other quarterbacks in this league that get paid more than me that aren't in the playoffs. Do you guys have any issues with either one of the comments that he made? Uh, no, just because I think he's not used to losing. Not used to losing like that. And so he's going to search for reasons. And um, he's right. His O-line was terrible. You know, but he's been able to perform all season long with them like that. Um, so there, I think once he gets back and reflect, it's kind of the heat of the moment stuff. Like when Honey Badger blows up on Twitter, I give the players been into the doubt. They're human just like we are. I was raging after it. I was dropping F-bombs and screaming out loud. Like, like, and, you know, it's just, it is what it is. We're, it's a very passionate game. I can't imagine being out there and playing it on that big stage, you know, just even being there in this atmosphere and just having that letdown, I don't really blame any of them. That's, we all know that's not him, right? We, for 10 years we've been watching this kid most you know just because he's or eight or nine years right since he's come on the stage and it's just it's just not him I, i'm not worried about it at all he's no baker mayfield when it comes like that john i mean he was pissed he lost uh, we've talked about it before he it's a subtle anger that you may not always catch but he does play with an anger um he he wants to win he probably wants to win more than anybody else out there um he's probably mad at his Offensive line because he got hit a bunch, as he kind of should be. He was mad that he was put in a situation where we only had three people running routes. And he's probably got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that he's still not even considered. Uh, he's not considered an upper-tier quarterback. And I think that's where the uh, pay comment comes from. Is He reads the articles, obviously. He, he responded to Pat Starr earlier this year. He... He knows what's going on. He's aware of his image. And I think that he felt disrespect. He has felt disrespected by this. It's like, yeah, he went out there and he didn't have the best game. But you know what? He made the playoffs. And look at all these guys. They get paid more than him that are supposed to be better than him. They didn't. And he carried our offense. He really did. We don't make the playoffs without the shot. I mean, so that's a valid point and a valid reason to be angry. And yeah. I would rather have a quarterback that has that, that anger, that fire, because you know, I mean, it's the same thing. Like with Michael Jordan, with all that he accomplished, he was still calling out the story at, uh, at, the, Hall, at the Hall of Fame about not making his high school team. The great ones have a little bit of that. They, Tom Brady has a lot of that. He knows every quarterback's name that was drafted in front of him. So Deshaun's going to know every quarterback that's talked about more than him. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think... I would say that I'm not concerned um, necessarily with these comments. My only concern is that if this is something that is a continuous thing, um, like a Cam Newton, 
um, who is his role model, who is taking him under his wing since he was a sophomore in high school. Um, so I, I guess I would I would hope that that's not Deshaun, and I don't think that's Deshaun. I think a lot of the fr- – I don't really care about the, the quarterback pay thing. I really honestly don't. I, I could care less about that, to be honest with you. I think – and a lot of people took it out of context and didn't actually post the actual um, wording of what he said, so that's fine, whatever. Uh, take them and get your clicks. But the O-line one, I think, you know, I tweeted it out yesterday when I was in a conversation with somebody on Twitter was, I think it was a combination of a lot of things, right? I think it was, uh, one, they just got beat pretty badly in the playoffs, and he lost worse than he's ever lost. Uh, two, he's been getting destroyed all year. Uh, a lot of frustration with that. And I think, three, he just, he just had a bad game. And I think he, you asked him at the right time, he gave you, you know, the answer that you were looking for. And as a human, you're going to have those emotions and you're going to respond in the manner that Deshaun responded. It is what it is. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. But if this is like a regular thing, then I think it's like a different conversation. Like if we're having these conversations still during OTAs and training camps and things like that, and he can't take the the challenging questions, then I think we have the conversation about, you know, who he is as a man and as a person. But up to this point, I chalk it up to him just being 23 years old, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, he, I'll just get out of interject. He's he's still young, right? Like, and Bill O'Brien and J.J. Watt, they were pouty afterwards too. You know, um, he's he is. I think he's only really getting called out because he kind of threw his line under the bus. But let's be honest, the line threw him under the a much heavier bus all season long. So, yeah. um, and. The, I have no doubt he hasn't lost anyone in that locker room, and he's not going to. And so, to me, this is just something for the Skip Bayless of the world to, like, salivate over. Like, he's lost it. He's lost everything. Like, like oh, fuck. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to Colin Cowherd tomorrow and be like, oh, wow, look at Deshaun Watson at the at the Clemson game. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they would have been watching film right now after losing the way they lost on Saturday. I can, I can easily see that being the narrative tomorrow yeah. on uh, Colin Cowherd. So. All right, uh, well, this uh, brings up <laughs> death. <coughs> this brings up death. And uh, anyways, back to my cool segue into questions with Brad. And Brad, boy, do we have some questions today, sir. Yeah, I think last count's like 24. Some of them have a little overlapping, so we'll we'll prune some as we go down the list. But, and to be clear, um, guys, on the draft questions, just save those because we do have a lot of – I have a lot of interviews set up for the for the year, and uh, we haven't decided how we're going to do those interviews yet. Uh, we do think that our patrons uh, deserve a little bit more. Um, we need to make sure that we give them some of the stuff, so you may get it on delay. The patrons may get it a little bit sooner. We may do certain interviews specifically for the patrons, but – uh, let's keep the draft stuff um, somewhat and reel it in a little bit for right now because we do have, we have Lance Zerline. We have uh, two other NFL draft scouts. Uh, we have Derek Klassen coming on. So there's there's a lot of stuff there. So let's save the draft stuff for, for when we get closer to the draft because we need to wait until the scouting reports come out. we got to wait for the combine. I mean, we can start to talk about some of the players, but let's we have six months. So let's let's give it some time. So go ahead, Brad. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you kick it off. And what he's trying to say is we have actual draft experts coming on. Like, yes. we all do the best we can, but we don't do it for a living. So uh, we'll do our best, though. We'll definitely do our best. Um, all right, so we'll start off with Phoenix. Again, I'm going to jump around just because there were so many questions. Um, kind of go. So, we're just, um, so Phoenix starts it off. Um, 
And again, thank you guys for all season, all the guys that have been involved with the Discord and then asking questions. Um, we have been asking questions and taking questions on Twitter. They're just really hard to keep up with, so hopefully we'll just take them from Discord on, on that one. So if you hop on our Discord, you just go to texasunfilter.com, hit the Discord button at the top if you don't know how, um, and you should be able to join our Discord. And there's an Ask, there's an ask the Host uh, channel, and you can log in there. So Phoenix asks, do you agree that we need changes with our coaching on both sides of the ball? And he's, he specifically says not necessarily coaching changes, but scheme uh, and identity changes maybe. Mm. Honestly, I think with what Bill O'Brien's trying to do right now, uh, we saw how this offense looks when Kiki's healthy. And unfortunately he had a nagging hamstring injury, which we've seen with Bruce Ellington. We've seen with other wide receivers um, since this team's inception that hamstring injuries tend to just linger. Uh, so a full off season would help. Um, I, I think the scheme itself is actually what it needs to be. Keep in mind that the two or the two. I say the two because I don't really count Ryan Griffin, especially next year. But you know, mm-hmm. with the uh, with with the tight ends asked to block and chip often, and I mean often, uh, it's kind of hard to get them involved when they're constantly blocking, right? So imagine if the offensive line is above average and you actually have three wide receivers and two tight ends on the field. Uh, the, the passing game, the, the scheme itself is fine. Maybe we need a better running back. Uh, I actually just watched uh, Josh Ferguson's tape uh, yesterday, and the gentleman on the on the practice squad that we actually uh, gave a future contract to today, um, I think the kid looks uh, really, really freaking good. And uh, I, it's funny that Bill O'Brien mentioned him the other day. So, I don't think that anything needs to change on the on the scheme. Um, you know, maybe just hand over play calling to Sean Ryan so Bill O'Brien can focus on head coach things instead of uh, focusing on the game. And let's hire like five other coaches, quality control coaches and assistant coaches to different positions and things like that. So we can have ex, you know extra eyes like John's been preaching for I think since the inception of Texans Unfiltered. So, um, but other than that, I, I think we're fine. John, you're on mute, buddy. I know. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I have to reach over and unmute myself. It's the grand John pause. You know, right. It's expected. I actually, I think our – I mean, that's one of the things that Bill O'Brien is actually quite good at is changing the scheme based on who he has. There's a lot of concepts that, of course, we run in year in, year out because it is what it is. It's all based on the Patriots' um, philosophy, but – I think Bill O'Brien, when he – I mean, just remember Hard Knocks when he was talking about dumping it off to Arian Foster and paying, playing with more pace, and then all of a sudden we got away from that. But I think that's what he wants to do. I think that he wants to control the clock a little bit more than we have been, and that's where I go back to why we're running the ball is to protect Deshaun and protect our defense. I think that if we have the proper personnel, he would rather go up tempo. He would rather not sub in and out. He would rather leave the same guys on the field for extended periods and just continue to mix them up. That's what he did almost out to an art form with the Patriots, and I think that's what he's trying to get the Texans to do. If you look at how since, or I mean, just this last draft, how we actually went out apart about building the team. I do believe that we should bring in another offensive mind that comes from that same coaching philosophy. I don't think that we should go out there and pull in one of the Shanahan guys. I I'd want somebody with the uh, the Earnhardt pickle, blah, blah, blah. I can't say it. I'll post the link so you all can actually look it up. But I'd want somebody from that school of thought. And then Einhardt. if – Einhardt, there we go. 
just so we can continue to build on that base instead of trying to further confuse Deshaun or at least an offensive mind that's smart enough that could come in and continue to adapt with it. Um, and as for the defensive side, I think that, again, it would not surprise me if we bust the bank on a on a cornerback because we have to go out and get one. Uh, that's really that'll – fix, that'll fix the defensive side of the ball. We already have more coaches on the defensive side of the ball. I just get the right corner out there, especially with the safeties we have. And I know that we'll have to, we'll probably have to choose between two of them to keep. But even with keeping Reed and keeping Hal, we're already better off than we were for ages prior. Yeah, I'm just gonna drop in there. Like I think if you just look at with the personnel, whenever we had people healthy. This team was a pretty dynamic team. Once we lost Fuller, once we lost some key, you know, once we lost some depth, that like I just think, I think we're pretty much like you said, like John said, we're one or two key players away from this being a 13, 14 win team and AFC Championship type team. So I I want to ride it out, ride or die, and just hope that Gain with his his three first round, you know, his first round pick and his two second round picks can d- get some really quality players in. Um, Okay, and I won't be chiming in on every question, but I just want to chime on that one. So, all right, let's jump into the next one. Um, this one was asked by kind of a couple people in a couple of different ways. But um, so Phoenix asked, well, I'm going to read two, and then you can kind of like answer them as one. So Phoenix asked, does Houston still have faith in Colvin going into next year? And Farm Doc says, what happened with Aaron Colvin? I'll take the Aaron Colvin one. Um, Aaron Colvin wasn't healthy. Bill O'Brien pretty much said it in his press, uh, end of your press conference. Um, they didn't feel he was healthy enough. Uh, they basically kept him off of IR in case he did heal because he is that much better than the other corners we have on the field. So a lot of people are killing Aaron Culver right now, saying he's a bust. He, he is, wasn't worth signing. Uh, but if you just watch the tape the first four games, he was actually one of our – he was our best corner the first four games. And uh, that was outside and in the slot. So I, I, just let's just take it easy. The injuries are going to happen. And, unfortunately, it was really felt because we have no other corners – so when Aaron Colvin went out, and given the contract he was given in the offseason, uh, you're, you're going to feel that a lot more, and it's going to look a lot worse than it actually is. But he'll be back on this team next year, and he's going to be healthy, and he'll be fine. So I really honestly don't, don't see any issues with Colvin. I know a lot of people, including other podcasts and things like that, are going to say that you know he's not worth it and he was a bust and the easy narrative to take. But I, I challenge you to watch the – uh, first four week tape, you have six months to really break it down. You know, I challenge you guys to watch the tape because uh, the things that we talk about when it comes to the tape is it's there for you guys to see as well. You, there's websites that you guys can watch full replays for free. You don't have to have Game Pass. Um, the, there, there are so many things that are not caught during the initial run of the game that you'll catch and you'll be like, oh, my God, like, I, I can't believe I just didn't see that. And it, it's okay because that's what happens with watching film is you start to learn these things. So uh, Aaron Colvin's going to be fine. I, I'm glad that we signed him. I know it sucked this year, but it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it, and he'll be, he'll be a, a starting corner for us next year, and he'll make his impact. John, go ahead. I'll let you take the other one. Brad, would you just refresh me on the, on the question? No, I mean, I, I think I think he basically answered it. So it's basically what happened to Colvin and did we lose faith in Colvin? I, you know, I think we've kind of covered that. And I, I would just point in, like, Clowney got hurt his first year and he was a bust, right? That's what everybody said. Like, I think Colvin's a great player. What do you think? John? I just hope that it, I hope that ghost doesn't chase Colvin around where people have made up their mind on him and then we have to deal with it for the rest of his contract. He's a bust. 
because he was hurt for the one year. Um, but no, I agree. He, I, I was saying that even when he came back, he didn't look like the same player. He was hurt. Uh, he was hurt bad enough that when it originally happened that with AFF, they were going to have to put him on the IR. All right. Uh, next one up. Uh, Reg TX asks, when will it be okay for us to fire Bill, Bill O'Brien? And he quoted Pat D, who says that they've been outscored 85 to 23 in their three losses, um, playoff losses. I, I think he's kind of fishing here. Like, what would it take for Bill O'Brien to be fired going forward? Not making it to the divisional round next year. Uh, if I was Cal McNair, it would have to be the AFC championship, but. Uh, we, we touched on it pretty in-depth, I think, um, when we talked about the Harbaugh thing. Um, Bill O'Brien's not going anywhere this year. Just so everybody understands, like, when you lose in the playoffs and you're going to make a, a head coach change, there's typically not an end-of-year presser. <laughs> there's t- Like, those changes happen, like, right away. And we know about it. Shefty lets us know Saturday night that Bill O'Brien has been relieved of his duties. So just understand that there's, like, 5% chance that Bill O'Brien gets fired this year. Yeah, and that's probably only if they don't agree on personnel, right? Right. I think is what it really comes down to. Actually, I would only the only thing that I could see Bill O'Brien is if he decided to step away. Uh, that he has you know family issues or whatever. That's not fired though. That, yeah, uh, no, that's the only way that I could see him no longer being the coach next year. Now, as for him getting fired, um, I would say next year if we just don't show any sort of improvement. If it looks like we take a step back, then he'd get fired. Yeah, I think it all comes down to DW4, right? If DW4 plays the whole season and it doesn't show uh, consistency improvements, I think that's what it comes down to. Because he's supposed to be the quarterback guru, right? So, All right, so um, Trover asks, which position do you expect we spend the most money in, free, in during free agency? And this is kind of a besides Clowney, because we're, we're either going to franchise Clowney or we're going to extend him, right? So who do you think, besides Clowney, do you think that's it? Or do you think we may not do that? So uh, Trover asked that. Go ahead, John. I'll let you take this one. I think um, Gain has kind of shown what our free agency is going to be like. We're not going to look for game changers in free agency. Um, Bill O'Brien even said so during his press conference. They're going to look for game changers through the draft and try and plug holes essentially to free agency. They're not going to try and build the team through free agency. Again, the only position that I could really see us but really breaking bank for is if a man, if a really quality man cover um, corner came out. But other than that, yeah, don't get our hopes up too high. Yeah, I think I think that there's a player in the free agency that people aren't thinking about. Um, the tackle for the Patriots, uh, I think his name's Trent Brown. I think could potentially be uh, a piece, or or maybe Massey. But outside of that. Bill O'Brien made it pretty clear that building through the draft is the philosophy of philosophy of this team, and and that's what they're going to do. So yeah, I think unless there's a tackle that comes up that we can get, and we're not going to break the bank for, which we've shown last year that no matter what our needs are, we're not going to break the bank and overpay. Uh, that'll be the same thing this year. So um, expect the draft to really be where we add the talent, and you know if there's a certain player available, then we'll go after him in free agency. But outside of that, I just don't see it. Yeah, so that kind of transitions to the Weed Dogs question. It said, what offensive line might we target or be able to get in free agency? And so uh, Trent Brown and any other names out there? Bobby Massey, but that, those are the only two in my opinion. I don't know. John might have another one, but I, th- I think those are the only two that I would potentially target. Right now, because of all the uh, the tagging and the fr- 
franchise tagging, transitional tagging. Um, I have no idea at this point because we come up with these lists and they turned out to be completely inaccurate because those players never actually reach free agency. All right, here's a little one a little bit more uh, upbeat. With uh, uh, Buff Rules asked, with Nuke earning consecutive All-Pro honors, um, is he officially recognized by the media and football fans as the best wide receiver in the NFL? Currently? We all know that could change in the season, but... Yes. I think so. I mean, it seems like it. He's finally getting his due respect. Um, it's a little bit low... I think it's a little bit more low-key than... And Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham when it was their time to shine, but I think that's also a reflection of his personality. And our market, right? I think a lot of it's our market. Um, do you recall any – and this is a question for me. Do you recall any receiver doing more with less than him? No. Like, like uh, no. even Megatron had a decent quarterback, right? So Yeah, Matthew Stafford has always had an arm. Uh, so. Yeah. And Megatron was yeah, like seven foot eight, so <laughs> Yeah, I just don't recall in my you know, thirty five years of watching football religiously, a receiver just having a revolving door at quarterback and just being able to dominate regardless. like to me I think he's the best receiver of the last ten years, but that's there's a debate there, but and I have that Homer feel. Okay. Um a, a electric engineer dude a electric engineered Electra Electrical engine nerds. Sorry, it's a tongue twister. What OCDC do you think we could realis- realistically get this offseason? Should we decide to go that route? There's only one realistic OC, and that's Sean Ryan. Um, and then as far as DC, it's, it's going to be rack. I, I hate to crush your dreams um, because I can understand your your want for more, but this this is just not how they operate. And Sean Ryan, if, if there is an OC, will be Sean Ryan. Uh, and then the defensive coordinator is going to be Romeo Cornell. Unless Romeo – now, Romeo could decide to hang it up. You know, there, there there, are – you know, the fact that he was okay with handing it over to Vrabel and then just coming back, you know, he could it could have been a more of a favor for Bill O'Brien. Hey, I'll come back this year and, and get you squared away, but we're going to have to find somebody. Maybe that's happened. I don't know. But outside of that, I don't see anything else. And if there is – as far as from a DC standpoint, I honestly don't know. I would have, I would assume it would be, um, I, I don't know, maybe Todd Bowles. I'd take Todd Bowles. If uh, Rack hangs it up, it's going to be Pagano. Um, that's pretty much already. You can already see it happen. And then for OC, I'm going to throw one out there, and because he is kind of a popular topic right now. But I can see Kingsbury. Um, there is a Patriots connection there. Oh, oh, Brad's face. Brad's face. Oh, God, did a, not watch him at Tech? I mean, yeah, but oh, God. there's uh, so – Kingsbury is going to get a head coaching gig. I mean, he already stepped down from USC, and, and he's already interviewing for a head coaching gig. Yeah, he's interviewing for a head coaching gig. He's not going to get one. I could see him getting an offensive coordinator's gig. But he was – there's a Patriots connections there. Uh, apparently, he was friends with Bill O'Brien and McDaniel's, and that's why there was a lot of the air raid concepts brought in to their to their system is because of having him. So, if that's all true, I could I could see it if he doesn't get any of these head coaching jobs. 
which I can't believe that he's going to be interviewing for a head coaching job. If Matt LaFleur got one, though, like, I could easily see Kingsbury getting one. But, yeah, that – I don't think it's likely, but I could see it happen. Yeah. It it does make sense that if he doesn't get offered any of the head coaching positions – the only sticking point that I could sticking point that I could see is I don't think Bill O'Brien's going to give up play calling, because I think that um, Pat Starr actually made this uh, huge this point and I think it's a very valid one, is he doesn't want to give up play calling, loses offensive coordinator when Deshaun blows up next year, right. and then have another person come in Take and do him. play calling again, while they're developing Deshaun. It's probably not going to be until year four or five of Deshaun that he would be willing to bring in another offensive coordinator and give them the keys to the car, essentially. Yep. No, I would agree. And just so everybody understands the rules, um, they the Texans can block a lateral move, but they cannot block a uh, request for a head coaching job. So um, once that happens uh, and you have an electric offense, especially in this league the way it is now, uh, you're going to be cherry-picked as, as much as possible if you have talent. So, All right, Brett. You guys kind of stole Ryan Perio's thunder here, but I'm going to read both of his questions because um, he's been asking great questions all year long, and I think you could probably uh, dive into him a little bit more. But literally what you guys were just talking about, um, since he basically for Deese, you know, to replace Rack, you know, John Pagano is on the staff. um, Are you guys certain he would be the next man up in case Rack retires or resigns or is let go or – yeah, I think uh, – yeah, I totally forgot about Pagano being on the team and him joining the coaching staff this year. Yeah, John's 100% correct. It would be Pagano. Um, I just don't really see a reason for them to go outside. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to keeping the coaching staff the way it is and adding a Todd Bowles or adding a still Steve Wilkes or um, some of the defensive coordinating talent that is actually out there because there is some. Um, but I, I would assume it'll be John Pagano. I mean, it's just what this team does. They're they're all about promoting their internal talent. That's just that's just the way yeah. we do things. I mean, we saw it with Godsey. We we saw it with Mike Vrabel. Like this is they would prefer to have homegrown organic talent um, at the coaching position. So yeah, they definitely sell um, a certain type of football, right? And it's just really hard to bring in outsiders to that. I think, and that's what they just try to just the whole internal thing. And you can say that's a good thing or a bad thing. Thing, but that's just the way they've always done things. Well, they're, so just they're, trying out, build, they're trying to build continuity and stability. And right. so, i.e., they're trying to be the Patriots. Yeah, and or the or the Steelers or, or the Steelers. any other the major organizations that have been like that. You know, which is nothing to look bad at. I'll take the running back coach though from Pittsburgh, James Saxon. I'll take him right now, right now. And so since we just got the Pagano thing, it said, so, you know, Ryan bring up, like, I think maybe you may need to promote Sean Ryan because he's probably going to get offensive coordinator, uh, you know, like interviews or like interests. And, you know, it would be better to keep him in house rather than letting him escape. So could you see them doing that? No. Last year, uh, Bill O'Brien had no issues with Sean Ryan going and interviewing, and I don't see that being any different this year. I think Bill O'Brien's one of those guys like, look, if you want to go, go. I'm not going to keep you here to keep you here. Um, they did the same thing with Vrabel. Now they found a spot for Vrabel because they believed in Vrabel. I don't know how much they believe in Sean Ryan. Um, and I know that the continuity between him and Deshaun is going to be paramount for Deshaun to continue his success. But uh, if they did it last year, based off of what they saw, the seven games Deshaun was there, I don't think it would be any different this season, in my opinion. 
I go back to my the statement I said about even hiring somebody else. If Bill O'Brien thinks as highly of Sean Ryan as we think he does, he may give him the title offensive coordinator, but he's not going to give him play calling. Okay. All right, so Nacho Debro, he's got – Yeah, Nacho Debro is the the last of the – not the last of the questions, but the last of the question askers uh, that I haven't uh, read from that had more than one question. So I want to get some of his in. Because now that the dust has settled and the motions have calmed down, did we actually have a chance against the Colts with them honestly having more talented teams aside from the defense line and the QB? I think we've kind of already already covered that, but do you have anything you want to guys add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think if Deshaun would have hit his throws and um, they would have executed properly, I think of the defense – I know we don't want to say that this is on the defense, but you have to say the first half is on the defense. Sure. Um, I mean, you you can't you can't just chalk up you can't you can't say the whole game right because they did stop them in the third and fourth quarter, but the first half was definitely on the defense. So, um, you know, were there plays to be made that would have kept us in the game and potentially won? Absolutely. Uh, but the way this game was going, and the way Deshaun was playing, I mean, at the end of the day, Deshaun's really the biggest reason why we lost this game and. Had he had connected and made the throws that he needed to make, this would have been a different game, but that wasn't the case. John? I don't think John has anything. Okay. I, I just want to – since I brought this up during the, the game thread while I was at the game, we – you know, I, I just want to bring up that this is the offense that people have wanted all year, and this is – that game was exactly why – and you guys can comment on this, but – I think that game was exactly why Bill O'Brien wasn't aggressive to start games because those two missed deep passes gave us two three and outs and put us down to a great team. And I would have preferred our classic running on first down, get a, get a good keep a couple of drives going, and not have tried to go for a deep pass. To If we had for sure, if we have Damaris Thomas out there, maybe. I doubt he'd be on a deep route, but – a rookie Vincent Smith that was only on the team for four games, something like that, right? So were you guys okay with the deep shots early? Obviously, if they would have caught them, we all would have a different opinion, but do you think that's a different first half if they would have gone standard, the standard offense we've seen all year? I think that um, – I think Bill O'Brien dialed up the right calls, to be honest with you. I think those those calls were needed at the time that they were called. I think he was doing what he felt needed to be done to keep us in the game. Unfortunately, they just didn't work out. Um, now, I would have liked to uh, like actually commit to the run, given the way that the offense of the Colts was actually going, keep the ball away from them, give the defense a little bit more rest. Um, but I think there was an pa- internal panic button inside of Bill O'Brien, and I think he saw where this game was going, and he decided at that moment, like, we're going to have to score, and if we don't score, this game's over. So we need to take the shots that we can. That, that's just my thought. John? Actually, I don't have any. I don't have any issues with the playing calling either. I like it when we go aggressive, and even though those plays didn't work, it, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It's the the score was closer than it looked. We were closer to the Colts than it than it looked. Just a little bit better execution. Um, again, if, if that's Will Fuller out there instead of Vincent Smith. Granted, that's Will Fuller out there instead of DeAndre Hopkins on on the deep pass to Hop. Both of those are caught by Will Fuller. He's just he's better at running 
a deep route and there is a little bit more skill to it than just going as quickly as you can. Um, and it's a completely different game. And that also breaks up the uh, the Colts' desire. To, part of the reason they were going deep is because the Colts play so much zone. If they're able to, to take the cap off the zone, then that would have just destroyed the Colts' game plan for for the rest of the game, and it does reshape it. But because the calls didn't work out, which sometimes that happens with you just don't execute, that's why it looks as bad as it did. Yep, I agree. Okay, yeah, and so my two cents is, like, I didn't necessarily think that the play calls were wrong because they were there. They just didn't – the team didn't execute, right? They were the right play calls. But I think Luck is just such a good quarterback. that you, The only way I think you really beat him – if you aren't having your A game, is is keeping the ball in his hands with rushing. So that's the reason I brought it up. But I, I think we can all agree that Vince Smith, if he cuts in rather than out, he gets that pass. And then um, uh, if Nuke is better, I don't know. Me and John had a debate on this on Twitter yesterday. I, th- I I I believe that. Uh, it out, bitch. Yeah, I, I believe that uh, Deshaun underthrew that ball. If you actually watch the play oh, again. Man. If you if you watch the play again, Vincent Smith had to adjust his body, stop the route, and turn around to make a play on the on the on the ball. If if Deshaun would have hit him in stride, whether it be throwing the ball sooner or just throwing it a little harder, that's those two things in my opinion. Especially when he had a, a clean pocket that play, there was no rush. He stepped into his throw. Um, I think that 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 play would have been different. But to John's point, you know, if that's a veteran wide receiver. That's a catch anyways, right, because they can adjust their body. They're good at making those adjustments to be able to come back and catch the ball. But it wasn't a veteran wide receiver. It was a rookie at a limestone college who hasn't played a lot of snaps this year. And I think you need you got to know that, like, that ball could have easily been picked off too. Like, the DB was right there. And, and Vincent Smith did have two steps on him. So how to, Well, that's kind of how you know that it was a badly ran go route is because he had two steps on him. Essentially what I was trying to say over – over Twitter is a veteran receiver, a receiver that runs a a professional go route. As soon as he gets in front of the defensive back, he slows down a little bit. Um, and that's to keep that defensive back stacked. So between him and the quarterback, so the defensive back cannot get around the receiver. Then Deshaun threw that ball pretty much perfectly. Like he threw it up. Perfectly? That, yeah, he threw it 60 yards in the I, air I with a agree. huge, huge arc. So – Smith, if he's got the defensive back stacked, he has slowed down. He's going to use his speed to essentially run underneath the ball. But what Smith did is he just ran full guard, ran by the guy, and outran the throw. It's something. It's why Will Fuller always makes those catches in, in stride is because he is an absolute expert at doing that. Um, Vincent Smith is not the same receiver. And even – we say – if Deshaun had thrown it faster or thrown it sooner, then it doesn't really matter because that's when a less experienced receiver can go out there and get it. But there's there's fault on both, but that's still for the situation that was a really good that was a really good throw. Sixty ball sixty yards in the air, tight spiral, and it was thrown up and Vincent Smith has just gotta he's gotta run that route out just a little bit better. And you would think I know it, it's a straight line, but he's just he's got to play the defender a little bit better, so he can go get the ball. Yeah, but I also think yeah, like I, if if you're gonna throw, if you're gonna if you know that he has the steps, and you also know that he's not a veteran wide receiver, you have to throw the ball that he's comfortable catching. 
and that's part of understanding how to throw that ball or where to throw that ball. And but if he you, threw it 60 yards. How much more did he that, have? That's great. But if you throw it sooner, then you don't throw it 60 yards, I guess is my point. He had two steps on him pretty much the entire way. Get rid of the ball a little bit sooner, and it's a 55-yard throw, and you're hitting him in stride. Yeah. yeah. As John said, I think there's blame on both sides, but uh, he, what he was saying is correct. A, a better or a more experienced wide receiver will use his body to screen and just slow slow down the route, and so there's no possible way the defender can get to it unless they're just making ungodly play and, and just go up and get it at the at the catch point. Um, I, again, I don't think there. Again, I think he threw it like he was throwing to Will Fuller, but he was throwing to a rookie, and that's all that really matters. Uh, I mean, and you know, the one to Nuke was a little underthrown as well, or behind him, so he had to make make an adjustment. My biggest, my the only roll throw that I really there was the two throws that I think were the biggest threat to the game was the the throw into the end of the grass on in the end zone on fourth down and then just overthrowing Ryan Griffin by like 10 yards when he was wide open. Um, so I think that's where he just uh, really struggled. So we, uh, Rene Coral, Coral is the last uh, one we haven't got gotten a question from yet. Um, and I definitely want to get one from everybody who's submitted questions. We had 25 questions, guys. We're at 90 minutes now, so I'm not sure how much longer we're going to go, but I want to get one more question in there. Uh, what player value would you trade, like Merciless or one of our safeties or any player, really, that do you think that we get their real value for? Yeah, I think Merciless is really the only player that's, that you're going to get the value for uh, just because of the free agency aspect of Kareem Jackson, Tyron Matthew. Maybe you get like a fourth or fifth round pick for Andre Hall. Um, but outside of that, like I, I really don't think that there's another player in the secondary that you're going to trade to get uh, any value out of. Whitney Merciless, I think, could possibly garner a second. That might be reaching a little bit because of the season he had. Um, had he had his normal season, I think he could have gotten a second. But now, given his perf- – not necessarily his performance, but the way he was used in the scheme, uh, maybe maybe a third I think would be fair. Um, or you package him for Pat Pete, in my opinion, I think would be an a ideal scenario. John? I mean, Merciless is probably the only one that we would get any anything near his value. Um, maybe we could trade, I mean, you could probably trade Justin Reed for more than we drafted him for, but honestly... There's no reason year, to do that. Yeah, there's... It's like we don't really have a lot of pieces to trade. We have plenty of room and cap. We also have picks if we really wanted to go out and make a trade. It's just kind of where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, guys, we have a lot more questions. I think there's at least two more we need to ask. How, how deep do you guys want let's to go? go. We got like, yeah, let's go. All right, cool. All right, cool. Uh, I'll save the last two, the best two questions for last because I think they're going to. They're about what we're gonna, where we're going to go from here. But so uh, Phoenix asked, does Deshaun have a lower ceiling than we thought? No, absolutely not. Or did he? Nope, nope. It's a bad game, right? Nope, nope. Everybody has a bad game. Uh, most quarterbacks have a bad game in the playoffs the first time they're there. If you actually look at the stats and the, and the quarterbacks that played their first playoff game, there's a <laughs> there's a long laundry list of them that did not win and had a bad game. So, um, no. Deshaun's ceiling is not dropped. If anything, I think Deshaun's ceiling is, is still the same, if not a little bit higher, just because of his age and what he's shown so far. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those where look at the supporting cast around him. We just – essentially, we just reached the end end of our line. Uh, you can't trot out your only offensive weapon uh, with one arm and one leg. I mean, Hopkins has a – what is it, a grade three AC joint sprain? He can't even lift his arm above his head. 
and he played more than half the game with that. We already knew the ankle problems. You could tell when he was running. Our, our number two receiver was Vincent Smith. I mean, QT was a rookie. We had no idea what we were going to get out of him, and when we started to actually get something out of him, the game was already out of hand. It was just one of those situations where, no, Deshaun had a bad game, but it's an understandable bad game. And just go out there and shit the bed when he had an, a decent offensive line and all these weapons around him, and he just went out there and played horrible. No, he went out there and played horrible because he was a one-man team, and you know, you just he can't do everything. He can't throw and catch the ball. He is going to get in his head when he's literally not, not had a clean pocket all game, and he can't step into any of his throws. He is going to get into his head when he does see one of his – he sees a tight end running free, and he's like, it's Ryan Griffin, who he can't get get straight with all year. We, it was almost a running joke within this podcast that him and Ryan Griffin must, must be fighting. Griffin must have stole his lunch money or something because they have not been on the same page all year. So, no, we haven't seen the best of Deshaun. We may have seen the worst, but we definitely still have not seen the best. Yeah, my, my thing is just imagine Deshaun with a healthy Will Fuller, with a healthy Kiki, with a decent, you know, get a decent left tackle or a, a decent a decent tackle and a decent guard to strengthen up the line. And then picking up, if, if, re-signing Miller or picking up another decent running back. Just a, and then a healthy nuke. Like that, and then plus Thomas and Aikens, maybe one of them hanging up in the slot being a Kelsey type, you know, or Earth type guy. Like that's just, they have offensive weapons. They just got to stay healthy. And they got to be able to get Deshaun some time. Like I I can't wait to see him with all of his weapons at his disposal in a decent line. And I think it's going to happen. I it is, We got to get lucky with injuries. Every team has injuries. And sometimes the injuries are just worse than others. The Texans just seem to be hammered by skill position or, or important position Important players getting hurt, and that's just what really sucks. So, um, all right. So, where um, see we can go? And you guys just cut me off at any time. I I am I can ready to fill them all out. But um, just so you guys know, on the podcast, we're at a minute, hour and forty. We're going to keep going. So, um, Farm Doc asks, have the Texans in a meaningful game ever come out and punched a team in the mouth? Do you, or any wire? Why not? I'm mm, trying to think. That's a good question. They won some big games. They won some big games. Uh, have they? Like, like I can't think of a big game that they've actually won, to be honest with you. I mean, the Oakland playoff game, but you were playing Connor Cook. Um, I would think, if I had to honestly say that their their best performance as a, as a team outside of their quarterback would be the Patriots playoff game in the divisional round. They didn't win the game, um, and they didn't punch him in the mouth. But they definitely hung in there in a way that I don't think anybody expected. And, and I'm not even kidding you. If, if Tom Savage was healthy, that would have been a completely different game. So um, I I can't think of a game where we've actually punched somebody in the mouth, though. I, th- I think – I mean, that was a meaningful game, at least. I mean, we've punched Miami. We've punched Tennessee. But from a meaningful game standpoint, I can't think of one game, to be honest with you. Um, I would think – I remember the the Bengals game last year where Deshaun was his coming out party. But we didn't punch him in the mouth. We didn't punch him in the mouth yeah. at all. We, he only had, if you actually look at it, he only rushed. It was all running. It was that 67-yard right? run, and that was all Deshaun really did that game. It was three other field goals, but outside of that. Yeah. You're right. We haven't just annihilated a team on national television before. No. <laughs> you know, just, just doesn't next year we'll have a chance to, though, to be honest with you. I mean, we have a lot of big games next year. 
Uh, to to yes. kind of to kind of get to your point though about like you you mentioned like next year is going to be a lot harder. If we actually took the schedule, so, uh, hold on there. I want to get Nacho Dave to get his questioning. Is that question uh, with us playing the first place schedule next year and playing uh, major players at QB and division getting stronger? Uh, um, what changes side for players do you think they will they have to make to succeed with their schedule next year? I think right now you can't really judge based off the schedule of this year because this you know coming into this year we both everybody circled the two Jags games as the games that we would lose. Right. Um, the, the teams changed so dramatically. Bruce Arians going to Tampa Bay, that actually may end up being a tough game. Jameis might get right. Bruce Arians could easily turn Tampa Bay into a solid contending team. Um, you know, Dan Quinn's calling the defense in Atlanta. You know, that could be a solid game. I, I don't know. There's so many unknowns right now for us to be able to say what would be fair. Um, I'd rather see, wait and see before we say what it looks like um, once we see what those final rosters look like and we see what the coaches look like in those teams because there's still so many things up in the air right now. Uh, um, and so this is like a combo between Phoenix and Ryan Perio. Um, who is our running back of the future, um, or what potential free agent running backs could you see us making a play for? John, that's yours, bro. I mean, I'm honestly going to spend a lot of time looking at draftable running backs. There was a time where I thought we would be going after um, – Tevin Coleman pretty hard, but he had a chance this year to be a feature back, and he did not look good at all. So I don't really foresee us spending a ton of money in free agency on any specific running back, and if we do sign a running back in free agency, we're all probably going to be like, what? Who's that? And as it was for a draft, I can – we'll probably end up either using one of our second-round picks or a fourth-round pick on a running back. I can see us taking them relatively early. I don't see us taking one in the first round. I think our office, front office is smarter than that, but I do see us investing in it this year. I just don't have names for you yet because we need draft grades and senior – or not draft grades, but we need senior bowl and we need some measurements from some pro days and the combine, and then we'll have a much, much better guess. Yeah, we don't really know where – we don't really know where Foreman's going to be, right? We don't know. We just don't know. He He showed – he wasn't washed up, and he was still could still be out there, but obviously he wasn't where he needs to be. And then as um, as James referred to, you know, Josh Ferguson on the practice squad we just re-signed, like he has some he has some upside as well. So it's one of those things I think, like you said, when you talk about a one cut runner, on a one cut runner, Josh Ferguson, yeah, hands down. Like it, this it, is it, a runner that it, that John has been talking about wanting on this team for so long. This guy's cuts are stupid. Um, but he then, played in a small, small, small school, so uh, a lot of people don't know about him. But if you if you just go watch his tape, the dude's really good. But then you also got to think about the talent that he played against and, and things like that. But he looked like a very, very, very good running back. Yeah, and then and then couple that with the complete opposite of a running back, a foreman, and he could have a dynamic duo. We just don't really know. And I, I think I think what's going to come down to is in the draft, they're going to draft whatever's best available for their position and needs. Yeah. And so I, I agree that second, you could see a running back in the second round. You could see one in the fourth round. But I think they'll probably draft one uh, rather than go free agent. If that Iowa running back is there in the first round, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, so that brings up, like, what would upset you? Even, like, we, had, we haven't looked at the draft yet, but would it upset you if you get through the first two rounds and those three picks and you haven't, off, you haven't drafted an offensive lineman or a defensive back? No. 
Yeah. I would be absolutely amazed we haven't drafted an offensive lineman or a defensive back. I don't I, I don't think I could be upset because I'd just be in shock. I wouldn't be shocked because I, I think that we've seen this, like, what they do, and I think there are some things that we can do that we haven't been able to. You know, Colvin comes back. Uh, you know, they seem to like Jermaine Kelly. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, I, I would say that they're definitely going to address one of those in the first three picks. It's almost a guarantee. There's no way for them to be able to go with the, what is it, we have the 53rd and the 55th and the 2nd and then the 23rd and the 1st. Like, uh, there's no way. And if you actually look at the last, I think it was the last 10 picks at 23, I think six of them were offensive tackles. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so that kind of gives us the next little draft question. Again, not talking about players specifically, but just needs a position. Buff Rules asked, could you see them, you know, maybe because they don't have faith in, in Fuller staying healthy, you know, using one of those first couple, of, you know, three or four picks for a, a wide receiver? No, Vincent Smith's that guy right now. You can see the, the reason why he played this year wasn't just because um, he they needed him to. Uh, there's something there that they see. And uh, I, I think that I don't see us, at least in the first three or four picks, I don't see it. Maybe there's a project guy in the fifth or sixth round that they may, they may take. But outside of that, I, I don't think so. Looks like it looks like that yeah. doesn't either. Yeah, and then like, well, I think we all we're all salivating for them to use Aikens and Thomas, right? <laughs> like, we're that's what we're all salivating for. We're we're ready for that to be our fifth wide receiver at all. You know, why put them in the slot? You know, I did with Kiki Fuller, Hop, you know, and then Aikens and Thomas and and Smith. I mean, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good lineup to start. You know, wide receiver slash skill position tight end and Carter at uh, then. And Carter, yeah. Yeah. I can't forget about Carter and his Carter his Carter Carter definitely needs to be brought back. I don't I don't think there's a yeah. I don't think there's a question whatsoever. That that was probably the best mid season move since Quentin Depps. Yeah, our, yeah, so who who would you get rid of pretty, our wide receivers yeah. are pretty sad. It's gonna be running back. Yep. Running back, defensive back and and line, I think. Uh, all right, let me see. I think we're winding down here. Um Let's see if we have any anything we haven't really covered. If there's any more the draft questions, we got to save those. Yeah, and yeah, I think we've pretty much covered. Um, or anywhere, Phoenix asked, "What's where's the lamb sauce?" <laughs> I don't get it. I, is he talking Kindle lamb? I don't. Uh, I don't get. I guess I don't know. I oh. thought maybe you would get that. Yeah, Kindle lamb. I mean, keep him on the team. There's no reason to get rid of him. I mean, he's going to be cheap. Yeah, he, he definitely showed that he's gotten better, but. Um, and, and to be honest with you, like like I said, I think it was last week. I wouldn't be surprised if Central Henderson's given another shot. Um, and maybe we just draft one tackle. I don't know, but we got we just got to see how this all turns out first. I, what's the free agency dates, John? It's is it it's February twenty twenty eighth, right? Yeah, February twenty eighth. So I mean, we're not too far off. That's the one good thing about the NFL is free agency happens like a month after. Uh, the Super Bowl, so we'll, we'll we'll know what we're looking at uh, here here soon. Yep. All right. So guys, we have one final question. I think this is a lot good one to end on because it kind of discusses what's happening with the podcast going forward this off season. And if you've been in the Discord, um, uh, James has already kind of talked about what he has planned. So James, I'll let you leading yeah. up to the draft and while we're kind of holding off the draft, if you want to just give everybody a little spiel on that. Yeah, absolutely. So we have. 
I am working on a pretty solid off season for you guys. Um, we'll definitely have Rivers McCown on again. Um, Derek Klassen's going to be on with me next week to just kind of do a recap of the year. If you don't know who Derek Klassen is, he's a football outsiders writer. He's extremely, extremely talented. Uh, Lance Erline for the draft. We're going to have Jordan Reed for the draft. Um, and then we'll likely have uh, John Weeks one more time. Bill O'Brien and um, Amy Pollock uh, said that we would uh, most likely have Bill O'Brien on again during the offseason. Um, and then I'll be doing everything I can to get Jordan back to make up for that. So, <clears throat> oh, and then Jordan Palmer, of course, um, to give us his. It'll be very interesting to have that conversation now because it's a completely different conversation than what we had last. Um, so, yeah, we're, 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 I'm going to keep working on getting whatever I can and whoever I can. And um, I just want to make sure I give you guys the best content possible. Uh, like I said, I don't know how we're going to divvy these up as far as like, you know, patron only and non-patron only. That's something we need to figure out. But um, there's going to be plenty of content. Me and John are uh, working on getting Ma Matt Waldman's uh, scouting report that he releases every year, uh, which will be huge. Um, probably one of the better um, guys when it comes to scouting. And, uh, yeah, we're going to do a lot. Uh, I think John's really probably salivating at, at, at it right now because this is this is where he shines. This is really his, his biggest – this is his biggest strength is, is talking about the scouting mm -hmm. aspect of players. So <clears throat> this is going to be a fun off season. Um, I, I don't want to, I also want to say that I don't want to say that we're going to commit to a, a podcast a week. Um, we may do a couple more and then take a little break before free agency, maybe a week uh, just because there are some things that I'm, I'm going through that I need to take care of. But um, outside of that, maybe John and, and Brad do one, but um Outside of that, you guys are going to have a very, very packed uh, off season. And our one request from you guys, or from us for you guys, is to spread the word, man. Like you know, we're we're really what we're doing here, uh, considering how we started and what we're trying to bring to you guys is, I mean, me, Brad, and John are dedicated to do, to bring the best that we can. And the best part of that is being able to give you guys the entertainment that you guys are looking for and the, and the necessary um, information, but if you guys could do us a solid and spread the word and really get people going, um, the best thing that could happen is this podcast continue to grow. And, um, you know, we're here. We're going to be here no matter what because we have jobs and we don't make money off of this. So. Yeah, and I just want to add, guys, that because um, he also asked, you know, about the, the, the content for patrons, the content for the website, things like that. Guys, the website is like was like an alpha launch or a beta launch, if you know technical terms. Like it was literally just to get something up. I, I have a list as long as my arm of things I want to do for the website that's gonna be unique. I think it's gonna be really great for for us as not just uh, a Texans podcast, but a podcast for NFL fans. Um I'm doing some data science stuff that's I that I'm I'm launching my own like data science site as I'm learning and going through my school. But I'm going to tie that into our player stats and real-time real game stats and all the sort of stuff that's going to tie into the Discord bot. Then we're going to have Patreon that's going to tie into the Discord and to the website. So if you're a Patreon backer, we know that we've been kind of uh, neglecting the Patreon. If it feels like we're pushing that, it's because we've had people who've been backing us and paying us every month, and we've just been too busy with the season that we've been neglecting it. And now we're getting everything to buy, buy hopefully draft time. I'm hoping to have everything kind of where we need it to be. And then we build up content where we do add, we all kind of find our niche whenever it comes to the content that we want to provide to you guys every week to at least wall we'll post maybe every once a week or things like that, you know, real life 
sparring because again we don't do this for a living but there's some um, uh, some really cool things and, and for you to have a say in this a become a patron and it's only i think two or three bucks a month and you get a behind the scenes you're first to see everything but you're also first to chime in and tell us what you think and whether you think we're lacking and kind of drive where we're going but if you can't do that we understand that everybody can afford that pop into discord and be a part of the discord chat and help spread the word and be active on Twitter. And that's all that really matters. And as you see, we, we take these questions you guys ask really seriously. We thank everyone who's been part of our Discord. Our Discord's grown tremendously. It's been awesome. Um, it's really awesome because it's more than us just meeting now every Monday night and recording a podcast. It's a, an ongoing interaction with you guys every single day in Discord and Twitter. And so thank you so much for that. Um, but just know that the website is not where we want it to be now, and our content we've been providing is not where it will be. It was literally like I came on mid-season. We just kind of did the best we could do to get like an alpha or beta launch out there and uh, just look for a lot more stuff coming, and we just hope you stick with us throughout the offseason. I'll do my best to get a podcast out every week and work with the guys to make sure at least one of us maybe just does a short 20- or 30-minute podcast just to say, hey, what's up, guys, um, and or answer your questions type stuff. So just uh, thank you so much, guys, and I'll leave it to, to James. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you put that all out there, Brad, because now they're going to be able to hold you accountable for all the things that you just promised them. <laughs> That's this, why I put it out there. That's this, why I put it out there. This is great. No, it's great. I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I know we're all busy, um, but, man, my favorite – time of the week and i know same for john is is monday night when we record and uh it's been a fun journey it's been a rough season and uh or a fun season but a rough ending and uh we have plenty of things to happen in the off season the future is bright as bill o'brien has said deshaun's future is bright and as long as deshaun's future is bright really nothing else matters john feel like you have something you want to add. I can I can see it all over your face. Why don't you unmute that button so we don't have one of your awkward pauses and you just slide right in there. Yeah, I just, again, I wanted to say my thank you as well. Um, again, it goes back to with Patreon and not even just Patreon, but also like Facebook and Twitter. We take our, our time, our free time to do this. So kind of our reinforcement to continue doing it is when y'all share, when y'all comment, when y'all interact. It's like that's what gets us going to put more content out there. It's like we're not, again, we're never at this rate, especially with what we've sunk into this podcast, we probably won't ever break even financially, and that's not our goal. Um, our goal is to just have interactions, like to build this community. And then a couple of little bit more things with our with the website. If you have a really great long form Reddit post that you want to post on a website, we'll we'll take those. We'll post them for you. You can do that with them. Submit them to us um, just through the website. You just type it up, hit send, and one of us will have to read it over and approve it. But if it's good, it'll get approved and go out there and do it. Yeah, we're looking for content creators, guys. If you guys want to create videos. If you guys want to create blog posts and share your thoughts and not just us, like we're we're will we'll, I'll set you up with the blog that you, comes right into our feed and then you just hit it for, hit it for approval and we look it over and publish it and boom you're right on the front page. And there you go. Then you're a published writer. And we're gonna do a another podcast on Marvel versus DC just because a couple of the Patreons asked for it. I mean, you set up for Patreon, you get to make those sort of requests. Say, hey, I want to hear y'all talk about something other than football. Um, if we know anything about it. I mean, this is what we do. We'll sit here and we'll talk for an hour about it. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just we'll keep it going. Just all we ask from y'all, like, share, say say something, say y'all suck, say thank you. Anything is better than, than nothing. Yeah, but if you say we suck, you better have a good reason on why. 
Because if you're coming with that bullshit Sports Radio 610, 790 shit, you can keep that shit somewhere else. Just being That'd real. That be funny. Just being real. If you troll it up nice, that's okay. Yeah, Brad Brad, Brad <laughs> loves the trolling. So if you guys do it, uh, you guys will, especially on Twitter, Brad will hit you with the hashtag uh, Brad Grew or at Brad Grew. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to end it on this. I challenge all of you guys to watch some tape this year. It's going to make watching football next season that much better. Pick one player and pick one game. And in that game, watch that one player the entire time. Don't go with Deshaun. Uh, save that for at the end of the season when you're when you're wrapping up. But pick pick a player, pick Cunningham, pick pick somebody, and just watch the tape and just imagine what you'll learn because there's so much to learn. Secondly, I challenge you guys to not buy into all this narrative bullshit that's going on on the sports radio 610 and 790 unless it's coming from Sean Pendergrass or one of the good ones. You guys know who the good ones are. If you're listening to Josh Ennis, then you're probably not listening to us, I would assume. So um, just keep in mind that those guys have a job to drive clicks and to drive ratings. And the best way to do that is to be controversial and have a hot take. We don't do that here. And if you're listening to us, that means you don't like that stuff. So just keep in mind with some of the things that are going to be said about this offseason. I'm assuming now it looks like that Jim Harbaugh stuff starting to get get a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, momentum. Uh, keep you know understand that it's a rumor, and until there's something that happens, there's no reason to even bite into it. So uh, we're here for you guys. We love you guys. This has been a great season. We're going to have a great offseason. We're going to provide you guys with a ton of content. But outside of that. Keep it real. Keep it trill. I am young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week.